Alright, alright, alright. Welcome to Eighth Note Session. I'm Devin Mullen. And I'm Mike Shamil. And I'm Mark Madden. Yeah! Yay! Welcome, Mark. Welcome. Hi, kids. So today we asked Mark Madden, who, a little bit of background information for the uninitiated, uh, has a resume that defies explanation or rationale. Uh, To put it briefly, uh, owner of Mad Graphics and Mad Ink Tattoos. Uh, And most interestingly for me, what really got me interested in asking him to come on the show, uh, he's making uh, a documentary called Took Talks which is a multi-series, uh, basically, overview of the Buffalo Renaissance through the lens of food, art, music, and culture. Uh, it's quite, quite remarkable. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that project? Uh, you know what? So I've always been involved in public art in Buffalo. Uh, from the first Music is Art Festival, we started incorporating artists painting live and really feeding off of musicians on stage together at the same time. And so we're going back years, obviously. And then I started noticing, as the rest of the city did, that public art was lackluster, to say the least, 10 years ago. And there was a shortage. And I started traveling to other cities, uh, Miami in general, I ended up doing Art Basel one year and I was just so blown away when, you know, you walk into these communities like Wynwood and it'd be walls after walls. I'm like, where is this in Buffalo and how come it hasn't? So then, of course, over the last five years, you see these things start popping up. Uh, Ogre, you know, Chuck Tingley, you know, Chris Maine. Vinny Alejandro, I start seeing these murals and I start reaching out to these guys who I've met through Music is Art. Most of this all, for me personally, I was indoctrined into the world of Buffalo public art through Music is Art. And uh, I started feeling that, you know what, when I go to a city, the first thing I do is I go online and I'm like, oh, where is the graffiti tour or the public art tour? And most cities now will have one. And I'll stop by a neighborhood, grab a beer or two, and then go from, you know, little neighborhoods to neighborhoods. And uh, I met my good friend now and favorite mustache in Buffalo, Josh. <laughs> and he rolled up during a witch's ball. So I was curating the witch's ball and I was doing smart work and his cool little tuk tuk, which I had no idea what one really was. I'd seen rickshaws, obviously all, but I never, and never would have seen one in Buffalo. So I jumped on it right away. We became friends. And then the next thing you know, I was in uh, Jamaica having an epiphany and I'd seen all this artwork that was happening in Buffalo then when I was over there and I reached out to Robbie and I said, dude, we got to do something. What if we, you know, had something going on with a camera and the toque and, you know, offer this, ask Josh who had the Queen City to do tours at the time to make this a specific tour. So I was only thinking art. I was like, let's just go from mural to mural and then maybe we meet the artist at their mural and then Robbie could ride along you know, because of his notoriety and his voice and his connections and talks to the artists. And then um, my good friend Newell, the um, mayor of Buffalo, contacted me and that's, and he's like, you know what, we got to do this bigger than that. Do it about art, do it about also music, do it about food, do it about culture. Make it, you know, if you're going to be talking about art, you might as well talk why art is happening now. It's not just because of the influx of artists' intention, it's because of the beer. It's because of the neighborhoods, the growth, the food, um, you know, so he's like, it all ties together, so try not to. And I was like, you know, it just made sense. And ever since then, it's been rolling along. We shot it all last summer, which is the five 
episodes and now we've been doing little offshoots here and there but we're slowly releasing it and it's just been like one of the you know projects of my life to move to buffalo 20 years ago fall in love with the city you know just discover all this new family and friends that i have here and then to be able to link up with my partners josh and my partner rob from 716 and have rob's vision behind the camera and him really knowing how to do it you know what i mean correctly from a cinematic role point where I'm just coming in as a wild director and trying to make, you know, things production happen at the right time and, you know, catch those moments that we needed and the, get the people in the toque that made sense that we really thought could speak for our city. You're, you're more of the concept guy, the concept. I guy. am the crazy concept guy. Usually. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, we're going to yeah, get I mean, in this toque. We're going to go down Hurdle Avenue. We're going to go right. look at art, and we're just going to talk. And you're bringing a camera, and you're bringing a camera. Let's, uh, let's, I let's, if let's I go. Extra calls, you know, that I could probably get Robbie in on it. And then Robbie, hey, Robbie, do you think there's any chance you could call Philip Burke, one of the world's greatest, you know, artists of the rock? I said, sure. And then um, <laughs> one thing after another, and then, you know, I'd be at – uh, benefit for Anthony Bourdain and somebody like, dude, you're a madman. And know who else is a crazier than you? Zamir God is right around the corner. Can I introduce you to Zamir? And then the first thing I was like, Zamir, do you want to ride around in a tutu and talk about you and Anthony's, you know, relationship to Buffalo and your Buffalo? Of course he does. And, you know, through these kind of chance meetings have turned into lifelong friendships and moments that I just, you know, it's been great. So this project has really become like more than just like, all right, there's this thing I want to do. I'm going to work on it. It's become more yeah. like, this is now I, something important to me. Uh -huh. And, you know, it's now kind of like weaving its way into your life. That's pretty cool. Without a doubt. I thought I was instigating a tour for Josh. You know what I mean? To say, yeah, buddy, like, listen, you know, you could do more than beer tours. Why don't we do an art tour? And then next thing you know, now it, it has grown beyond um, what we initially thought by all means. And as you know, it's awesome. And then we're hoping that it's a vehicle for change and hope and just, you know, people jump on board with the concept of love. Like everybody's always loved the city and I like, you know, like keep Buffalo. Buffalo is not a secret anymore. Um, you know, I think just because if we want to bring this back into our day and times, you know, with Cuomo and all the respect that everybody's been giving, you know, the, the city of Buffalo, about how things have been handling and honestly, how much art and you know what a hidden secret it was so we really want people to come in and i don't want to keep buffalo secret i understand the concept but we're ready for more exposure and to really show that this small you know rust belt city competes with any great art or music city so something i definitely noticed about uh we, we have our pre-conversation before we start recording officially just uh you know acquaint ourselves reacquaint ourselves with the art and what I noticed was your your career is very sinuous. It's very interdisciplinary. And you you do the tattoos, you do the, the graphics, but you also do album artwork. Yeah, I've always been involved. I started out uh, before I was a tattooer um, doing signage for a local company here in Buffalo because I had moved to Western New York um, when I was maybe 15 to Lockport, my father was General Motors, so his General Motors plant closed down. So it brings back that whole uh, from Mass, and it brings back the Rust Belt thing. And as a kid, I'd always been into um, hardcore music and like really sick album art artwork, like Sepultura was some of the first album artwork that I was like, whoa. And of course, Pusshead and some of the stuff, you know. And then 
then when I came to Buffalo, I was kind of thrown into a little bit of the hardcore scene with bands like Slugfest and IND back in the day. And I've always loved album artwork, and I've always been that kid where somebody would hand me their notebook in high school and I'd do it. So it was a very easy evolution. And with tattooing, it kind of goes hand in hand, or, you know, a lot of the imagery kind of would play off. So I've always had fun um, working with artists, projects, and really kind of listening to their music and then trying to see, you know, like how that music influenced where, where their concepts was and what the, the artwork, because you really do judge a, or you used to, you know, when you go into a CD store, like home of the yeah. Hits or whatever, judging no, album by the top. Yeah. 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 So it's fun. Yeah. And that's, I, I think you're, you're right. It's, it is first impression. I mean, even, even when you're looking on Spotify, you're going to see yeah. that album artwork and you know many many iconic albums i mean really they're they're known in particular for having particularly memorable particularly evocative artwork yeah there's a lot of times as an artist that i'll hear those opening notes you know to and just say metallica or whatever and you know, kill them all and i see that hammer with the blood across it and the big spiky fonts you know what i mean those those big serifs I mean, for for me, it's it's Marvin Gaye. What's going on? And he's standing out in the rain with the yep. water on his jacket, and it's just it's it's so perfect. So, in in engaging in that process, though, you you have three parties essentially that you're you're creating for. You're creating for obviously the artist who's commissioned you. Uh, you're creating also for people who are going to see it. So you have commercial considerations, and then you also have to create for yourself because if you're not, you know. Yeah. satisfied by what you're doing why you're doing it so how do you how do you incorporate that that challenge into your process and, and rise to it you know and i think every situation is going to be a little bit different depending on who you're working with what type of team you're having with you so hopefully you decide that you know well i'm gonna let the guitarist is really the vocalist in, or the, the image guy in the band so he's got the idea because he came up with two or three songs of the album so i try to I try to pick through to find out who I should be working with. Um, right after I get done with this, I've got a deadline. We've got the new after God, 25, 30 years, however long it's been. Green Jello has asked me to um, help out with their new album art. So I'll be doing Garage Band Kids back out art. And right away, that I had the choice. So and I knew there was going to be a lot of artists. We as the Green Jello kind of, you know, our creative team, there's 300 members of the band. And I think there's probably 50 <laughs> or 80 of us that are actual artists around the country that have been fans of Bill's that Bill kind of says, hey, listen, you got this one, or can you help us out with the flyers and, you know, whatever these crazy green jello projects would be. So I, I got a choice, and I didn't know the songs because there's a lot of franchise bands throughout the country, not just us that are the hometown green jello crew. So um, right away I seen one of the songs that I don't think – I think it's all right that I leak some of the information here, but uh, Back Alley Dentist. And something like that just jumped out at me. <laughs> I knew that there was going to be um, a Garbage Pail Kids kind of theme going on. I, was, I could just see, you know, this kind of scene. So, yeah, it's I'm trying to play off of the musician's concept. I'm trying to research into what I call my vocabulary of how I draw or how I render things. And then I also want to make sure that I'm a fan of the music. Cause if I'm not a fan of the music, I'm really the wrong person for the job. Yeah. Cause but otherwise, we, how do you like, how, how do you draw, you know, emotion into it yourself? I mean, if you, if you put on their CD or their record and you sit there and you're like, 
I feel like I'm in an elevator. But How are you supposed to come up with anything other than an image of you like watching I, your phone? Well, luckily, in an luckily, there's never <laughs> been that case because anytime anybody's asked me to do their album cover, I'm usually you know already a fan or a friend at least, and I could fake it really good. But no, I'm always if I'm working for somebody, then I'm a true dedicated fan of their artwork and their music. And um, we have already had a relationship more than likely. It's not very often that somebody's going to call me and tell me that they're, you know, got some project that I've never heard of and that I don't want to do. And if they do, I usually tell them the same conversation. You know what? There's probably somebody out there that you know that's a really amazing artist that might be better suited for it. I've gotten to be, you know, the point in my career that I've turned away projects that aren't, that I'm not one million invested into. I have to be a million percent invested. And it would all And I, I think that, I mean, that whole prospect of, you know, saying no to the, the wrong project. That, that Very difficult my, as an artist. It's su- super difficult. It, it's also one of the most important lessons you're going to learn. Amen. But when you're you're starting out, it's, it is tough because yeah, you got some, some people will tell you never to turn anything away. But in the end, you always know there's a story about a famous um, Japanese sword maker that, you know, always wishes that he's on a hunt to hide these swords that he was never proud of. You know what I mean? And this is, I think, why some artists move so much. You know, I think especially tattoo artists, um, you know, and I'm not in the same place that I started tattooing for damn sure. <laughs> so luckily, you know, that. If you're not happy with it, or if you're not invested in a project, if I find now, if I can smell it a mile away, if I know <laughs> there's going to be a headache, it's then I'm probably going to get both hands chopped off. I, you know, it's it's going to be more than a headache. So I I, try, I tend to steer away. Well, I'm sure everyone is is happy in that scenario where. Hey, man, and most people understand that you know that a I don't have the time to dedicate it. B I've been in Buffalo for 20 years now, so I have a list of clients and friends and family that I've committed to. And for me, it has to come down to passion is, is you know, and loyalty. You find that, like, I'm loyal to these people's project. And for me to keep on being this manic of an artist, taking more on, taking more on, or even leading you on sucks because I can't get that done in the time that you really needed and be you would have been better off going with somebody else if I, you know. So I think a lot of it, you know, I'm coming to the realization in my life of taking the ego out a little bit, meaning that I can't take on as many things and I don't want to. And I want to be a, make everybody happy and tell them yes, but I got to stop saying and start saying no. That, that balance is hard to achieve, but so important between like work and your creative projects and just mm-hmm. downtime and sometimes it's easy to kind of skip a little bit of the downtime to keep pursuing things but yeah it, you can't just burn yourself out because then it and starts impacting everything yeah. else and in the tattoo world in general there is the term burning yourself out I'm on top of you personally like much closer than this I'm 300 pounds of dangling fury manic <laughs> I'm sweating on you. You're talking. You've brought three of your friends that are all sitting around next to us, taunting you and harassing you, calling you a crybaby. And there's 20 phones ringing, asking me where their T-shirts are done. This pause that we've gone through um, unintentionally and forcefully has been the greatest thing for me. I've been able to breathe. And I think everybody needs to really, you know, like you can't overwork yourself, even if it's something that you love to do. It's still work. And Can if you you're tell not people that again, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. 
And it's tough the other way because it's very easy for somebody to say like, you know, oh, well, you sit on your ass and draw all day. And I do. And thank God I do. But it's a lot of work. I mean, I think finding the moments of, you know, tranquility or whatever, whatever your preferred term is, you know, very, very necessary. And, and, and speaking of the pause, you know, obviously the, the sort of release schedule you were working with for talks was uh, hosting in, in local venues, bringing in the business there. Yeah, we wanted to showcase it. that too. So when we knew that, um, we initially the concept for us to have releases is that we would do hype parties and we've done two of them. The first one, because we have uh, investments on Chandler and Tapo, Thin Man, we knew that that Chandler would be this new neighborhood and we wanted to showcase that, saying like, look at what Rocco and the team have done again, you know, and let's like, and then they brought in all these artists and we were lit out, I get, got to help out with all that. So we were like, you know what, this is our perfect opportunity to really bring people to a neighborhood that they haven't seen or, some, or one of the neighborhoods that they loved then show them another neighborhood on screen and then have musicians open up right before and show them their videos. So the first one, we were blessed to get Denny. I had met Denny Kremlis and uh, I know you guys know Denny too. I've seen that. Oh, yes. Video oh, yeah. A couple weeks Denny. ago. So yep. with Denny, he's another one of these, you know, octopuses that is so talented. And he had been dropping these new videos. I said, dude, why don't you show your video while you're playing in front of the screen? And then we have, we'll have a video party. So it was cool uh, to do a musician that was also a filmmaker and then to give people this. And then we brought in local businesses and did like a small business market where people could build. So these are the type of events that we really wanted to build out of it. And then we did the one with Zamir right before the pause that Zamir came over to the terrace. And I think, Anybody who had been to Music is Art back in the day would know the terrace as just the VIP. So if you hadn't been there since, you know, back in the day when we were all just hanging out at the VIP, you know, in the old casino, that they've turned it into this beautiful uh, restaurant and whiskey oh, bar. It's so amazing. So for us to be in there, we want to do the same thing. And then, boom, the rug gets pulled under our feet right before we're about ready to move on. And the next one, uh, as an announcement, is going to be a Chalmasudo. So we had gotten the muralist who did the giant double dragons behind Chow's from Tokyo, actually. We caught him at the right time. So that's where we're headed next. Yeah, right. It was always <laughs> about looping him in and pulling him down. So then we're like, you know what? We, well, this, we have to, you know, say that everything, you know, even if it doesn't happen for a reason, let's make sure that the reason it happened gets remembered and let's utilize this attentive audience, give them something to look forward to. So we started doing these Zoom uh, watch parties through Facebook and then getting local businesses that were still on the front lines to donate, you know, small gift certificates and stuff like that. So we could give them some exposure and uh, get everybody still hyped about it so that we had a bump in the road, but we didn't hit the brakes. And I, and I think, you know, in a time like this, it's more important than ever to keep confidence up, keep a, a sense that there's always going to be tomorrow. And, you know, it's going to be different, but we're going to be here and we're going to keep living. And there's still cool shit, you know, cool shit to look forward to. Yeah, without a doubt, and different ways to think about it. And I really kind of believe in the whole risk force versus reward. Is it worth it or, you know, to really risk everything that we have in life for, you know, jumping the gun too quickly or to thinking that we can't enjoy something that much more if we wait a couple months. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it all it's all going to be shaken out. We'll see. I uh, really believe it will, and uh, I'm you know ready to move forward when the time is right. If if I've learned one thing in this time, it's that I really didn't have the world as figured out as I thought I did, and a lot of it's pretty up in the air. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that because <laughs> I agree, and then I disagree, and then I smoke, and then um, I look in the mirror, and then I... Uh, and the questions uh, start, and it's... Right, right. And then and then really like, wait, I just smoked, and that is a mirror, man. So then I smoke <laughs> some more, man. <laughs> now, now, you're an artist yourself. Yeah, man. Now, what are you doing yourself just to try and keep that creativity going, to try and oh, just take advantage of the time and, you know, rather than let things overwhelm you, how are you finding ways to sort skate of decks. dig through that? <laughs> skate decks. I got this box of skate decks and these blank decks, and I just put, like, I opened them up, and I just kind of slid them on the table, took a photo, and and I could take, you know, like, the most beautiful tattoo and, you know, like, put it out there, but people went nuts. There's something about nostalgia and skating and not being able to skate right now. And uh, I sold all 10 skate decks within like 10 days. Nice. I'm just painting and drawing on skate decks. So that was really a big one for me to say like, what, what, what am I going to remember five to 10 years ago about these three months of me really making art? I did a lot of skate deck art and I just remember what it felt like to be a kid again. We talked about, you know, album art and, you know, like opening up a CD or whatever, but there's something about, you know, getting that skate deck and holding it. And then after you break it, putting it on your wall. So people love the skate decks. I love the shape of skate decks. I like how they sit on the walls. I like the fact that most of them, I don't really care if they are, but most of them will probably never be road. You know what I mean? Because they're all custom, but whatever. Hey, I mean, but that's quite a lot of my therapy as an artist is that, and I've been blessed. I'm sitting here on Hurdle Ave, looking out the window across from uh, Revolution Gallery, and I'm right next door to North Park, and I am two blocks or less from that Hurdle Alley, um, Hurdle Art Alley, and I've got some spray cans, so. I, I stay busy. Yeah, we've been putting up a pandemic piece. I know that Chuck Tingley's over there right now putting up an essential workers piece at the beginning of Hurdle Alley. It's just so cool to have that space and to watch these murals evolving. So I've been working on a couple murals over there behind Sunoco. And um, you know what? I've just been relaxing an awful lot and making a little bit of music on the side too. You know, relaxing. I yeah. have... 16 creative projects, uh, right. doing a documentary about an entire city, relaxing. <laughs> relaxing. That's hey, the whole yeah, I've only some people that is. my tentacles right now. I've always got one tentacle that's just, it's just not wagging at all. It's just limp. Yeah, I get you. Uh -huh. Look, look, when you're going 55 miles an hour and you're used to doing 120, that's taking it easy. <laughs> Amen. And I'm not literally leaving my house that I could have, you know, I brought my Mac over here. I'm up in my wife's closet that we've been turning into now the offset so i've taken over my wife's walk-in and <laughs> kicking back Beautiful. She complains that her office smells like a boy or that her closet smells like a boy now though <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> she'll get it back soon enough. You, you got that boy son i mean what do you, what do you <laughs> yeah. so i i think uh we're, we're just about out of time sure um, something i would I would be interested in, in what you'd have to say about it to any of our, our younger artists who are just getting started who really, it's it's very difficult being a young artist uh, in terms of making headway and, and getting projects and staying satisfied and not being 
you know, sort of led in the wrong direction. What do you, what do you think of a good bit of advice for folks like that? Yeah, it's tough, man. We are in a very different world. And, uh, you know, I never thought as I was always the young artist, so I think I'm still a young artist. And, you know, I think that as an artist or a musician, there's always, that's what makes us an artist is keeping that youthful energy and having that drive is what I try to tell anybody who's being frustrated with art or frustrated with not getting projects quick enough is to do what you love and really do it every day. There's, there's so much competition. There's so many tools out there now that anybody can add a filter to something. You've got to draw, you got to know the basics and you got to draw real good. And often it's like a guitar. You have to play a guitar every day. You can't just fake a power chord. You can with somebody who doesn't know how to play a guitar, but anybody who is, a true you know musician or artist knows when somebody has put the time effort and it really has the passion for me everything's about passion if you are passionate then you know draw every day and your art skills will catch up if you don't have passion then don't bother if you're not into it you know then you shouldn't you should do something like cooking or something else but young artists just need to really look more and um, you know and off the computer so if you can go out to a park, if you're say, oh man, I got this really cool project. My mom loves, you know, um, my mom loves robins, and I found 50 references. Well, if you can go outside and find a robin, you're much better seeing it in person and drawing. So I tell people as kids to try to draw from nature as much as possible, to draw, 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 and just enjoy being a young artist that isn't a working artist. You know. To, Anybody who's trying to be a working artist is in it for the wrong reason to begin with. Money will come later, you know, fame and notoriety or whatever. Yeah, and I think that that's so hard nowadays, being a youth and feeling that you need to get likes and that you need to get, you know, that type of... Try to find a guild, find a group of artists, you know, homies that you can bring up together and that you guys teach each other something like that as an artist we always learn that you're one person in a canvas well most great artists you know were guilds of artists so get together with some homies have fun art nights and you know draw dungeons and dragons and you know stuff yeah. that kids just don't do anymore you know like draw groups of stuff and if you're into minecraft then you know make a minecraft you know maze on a table or something so that you're not a slave to somebody else's art that you're creating your own. That's, That's some great advice. Um, yeah, before yeah. we go, I have Please. one more question for you. You mentioned you have something called the Camp COVID Project. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, Rick? God, yeah. So Angry Soil, Mad Dirt, was a project I had put together going on maybe 15 years ago that I was never a very skillful musician, but I was always full of pageantry and crazy ideas and I like theatrical stuff. I was a big fan of Guar when I was a kid and still am and That's angry jello Yeah, serious pageantry. And so I uh, always loved circus sideshows and that kind of freak kind of factor. So when I started doing stuff with Robbie, I knew I really wanted to bring some type of wild circus kind of idea to music as art. So then I got together with some musicians and I said, let's do something during this time and let's bring in some guest musicians and do something that I'd never really, you know, had done before is make music through us sending each other stems, listening to a piece and then putting it back forth. So we're still in it. We've got a couple songs involved. Um, I know Trevor from PA line just jumped on board with a song. 
Um, we've got Preach Freedoms in the works with One World Tribe. We've got some friends from out of town, from uh, Lazy Ass Destroyers. That music is out all the time. Ryan and the crew who drive up from Cincy. So it's a project about music, and it doesn't have a very set sound because each song has guest musicians on it. So we're going to be putting it out, hopefully by this Music is Art, by September, and we're dropping little links here too, but it's just me being blessed to have been associated with some really talented musicians that I'm able to put together and help choreograph some fun ideas about themes like paranoia and you know, health and risks and solitary confinement and being away from people and the lack of communication that people have and the need for us to feel like we can walk outside, you know, safely soon someday. Beautiful. So I'm Devin Mullen. I'm Mike Shamil. And this has been Mark Madness. Mark, thank you so much. Thank you guys, man. One love, stay safe, make art, not germs. This is 8th Note Sessions, and we'll catch you next time. Here's a sample of Paranoid by Angry Soil. This is their Camp COVID remix. The Eighth Note Sessions are produced by Music is Art. Help keep our podcast going and other programs by donating today at musicisart.org. Thank you for listening.